Uh, <laughs> anyways. Yep. That was crazy. <clears throat> so, uh, we're recording officially. Wait, we're recording right now? Yeah, we are. Heck yeah, we are. Oh, God, that's so good to tell me after we start recording. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome. Yeah, and by the way, it started. <laughs> Okay, uh, everybody, welcome to once again to episode seven, I believe. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Of the one and only Pilgrims and Prodigals podcast. So, boy, yeah, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> awesome, awesome. Well, I hey, I don't have any cool intros to do. So, yeah, you know what? I don't have any. I mean, me saying boy, that was really. I was reaching to the bottom of the barrel to get that one. Yeah, yeah, that's his. <laughs> That's about as high quality as we can hope for this morning. <laughs> no, uh, so we had a good time jamming last night. That was fun. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. In the uh, in Keith's basement, which is turning into a music studio slowly. Heels, yeah. Yeah, we had awesome time, awesome conversations. I really wish that we could have just hit the record button last night and recorded everything that was going down. We had some really good talks with our friend Ryan Miller, who... Uh, it's still, it's still a part of the church that we came from and had all of our, I guess you could say, negative experiences that put us in this uh, state of deconstruction. He still goes there and is a faithful attender, and he's still one of our best friends in the whole for world. For real. He even, because, asked me to do, uh, he even asked me to do music for his wedding, so that's yeah, yeah, pretty he just, awesome. He just, he just asked me uh, to, well, not just, but a couple weeks ago, he asked me to be a groomsman in his uh, wedding. And so I guess the point goes to show is that um, Jesus says it all the time in the Bible that people are not your enemy. And uh, yeah. I don't even, I like anyone that still goes to, anyone that's involved in something that I disagree with is not automatically my enemy because I disagree with them or think that they're wrong. I, uh, and I don't even really know if I think Ryan's wrong. Like I totally respect him and his spiritual mm-hmm. walk and everything. It's just oh, show. he's at a different place than me and that's okay. And we're still like best friends, even though all of that crap went down, uh, all that bad stuff that happened. Yeah. Um, Speak it, your mind, bro. It doesn't, it doesn't stop. doesn't stop the friendships that I had. Those people are just as real now in my spiritual walk and sharpening me like iron. Well, most of them. Uh, well, (laughs) yeah, I mean, any one of them that was willing to carry on a conversation with me still, I value them just as much as I I ever did. (laughs) I even reached out like after I left and like messaged a lot of them and even was like, Hey, I'm totally cool to sit down and talk about, you know, why I left and why, I did everything I did, and I never got a response. So, yeah, it is what it is. It's. In I the mean, past. honestly, at the end of the day, I think that the reason that you probably didn't get a response is because they thought, well, we're still going to disagree afterwards. So why sit down and talk? Well, I did get a response. I got called an enemy of the church and uh, all that stuff. So, <laughs> <laughs> so that was fun, dude. I have no idea what. I have no idea what kind of response that I would get. I know, honestly, dude, in my heart, like, I still want to have relationships with those people. I know you might be at a different place, but me, yeah, like, I really don't. I, 
I, <laughs> I, I, uh, I, so oh, I just man. like, I can't, I can't, I don't know, man. I just think that they still have some value to add to my life because everything I learned about what happened there taught me that disagreement should not be the end of a relationship. And I mean, I love a bunch of other people who have disrespected me. Yeah, but it wasn't for me. It wasn't my choice that ended that relationship. Like we came with honest questions and um, for everyone who's listening, we're going to get into a little bit today of like our backstory of why we're at where we're at and how everything happened. But for me, just to say this real quick, it wasn't my choice to end all those relationships. It was something that it was their choice. Like I came with honest and honest questions and feelings mm-hmm. and I was, we were respectful through everything that we did. Honestly, the only thing that anyone can say we did wrong is we didn't schedule a final meeting when we left the church. And if you're going to say, if anyone's going to say like, you know, well, I was wrong for not doing that, then that's just complete BS. And like it was, well, it, it was, I'll say, I'll say it, Keith, what are you going to do about it? No, I'm just, I'm just kidding. I'm, I'm just done. Kidding. <laughs> I'm out. The Pilgrims of Prodigals podcast is now down to one host. It's over. It's over, man. We're breaking up. No, I'm just kidding. No, I no, I I totally agree with you on that point. I just I I it happened a different way for me, and I think that I think me and you are honestly still at a couple of different places, but we're just and that's okay. Yeah. If I if there's like I said, if there's anything that I learned through that whole process is that you can't have a healthy relationship without being willing to disagree with someone and look past their flaws and even maybe the ways that they hurt you to have a healthy relationship because that's the way that it was from my perspective when I was there at the church. Like I was willing to be disagreed with and disrespected and it hurt. I'm not trying to say that like it was painless and Jesus was like my holy morphine and got me through that without any type of painful experience but um i just i don't know the that verse that uh, love your enemies um so that you can be proved as sons of your father in heaven like i really feel like that we, we i became enemies with some of those people but it wasn't on my side it was on their side like i was willing to continue loving and continue searching but i wasn't willing to continue submitting and that's what kind of ended the relationship is that I, I said that basically like, I want to do some stuff without your input. And that right there is kind of where it was like, well, this relationship is obviously going nowhere. And whenever I said I wouldn't submit and become a part of the machine of the church, the, the system, the policies, everything that makes up a modern day church, when I said I didn't want to participate in that, I I just wanted the love. I just wanted the family. I wanted the support. I wanted to love others, and I wanted to continue on in every facet of the church that I see in the Bible, except for the westernized structures part of it. When I de-enrolled from that or unsubscribed from that type of mentality, um, that's when everything went to crap really fast. Yeah, and th- that was the same thing for me. Like when I began to question things that were going on inside of the church and the organizational type things about it, that is when the same crap kind of happened for me. But for me, like, I don't know, like I just can't say like, 
maybe there's something I could still learn for them or blah, blah, blah. Like, I still want to have good relationships because I really don't care. And that's not me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's not me <laughs> speaking out of hurt. That's not me saying like, oh, well, I'm just super offended by them and I never want to be a part of their lives. I don't want to be a part of their lives, but it's not because I'm offended by them. It's just because I just don't care about, I don't care about being that aspect again. You know, I care about them as people. Obviously, mm-hmm. I wish good for them as people, and I don't hope that they're, you know, like homeless or killed or anything like that. Like, <laughs> I hope. Thank, go- thank God. <laughs> I, <laughs> I I hope good for them, and even for the church. I hope things can turn around, and I hope their eyes can be opened through all of this, and they can say, "Hey, we've been freaking wrong about a lot of crap." Yeah, yeah. And I hope that can happen, but I don't have to sit here and say they're good people and I can learn from them. Like, I just, I'm not going to do that. And that's just me. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, uh, I totally, I totally get where you're coming from and me to understand where you're coming from. Does I, I don't know. Maybe it's because I went to the church like my entire Christian life. Yeah. You grew up there. So it's different for you. I went to the church when I'm, I'm 26 now. I started going to church there when I was 17 and I just all I knew my entire Christian life, right up until about the last year, was you're getting really the, hot. Oh, I didn't change. Oh, I didn't change anything. You might have had your mic a little too close. Sorry, go ahead. Sorry. Okay, right on. Um, so weird. Um, I've been going. To, I was going to that church since I was 17, and I've never known. I never known anything up until about the last year. Um, about questioning authority and what's being taught. Like I literally from the moment of my spiritual inception was like, these people have it and I need to get it. Yeah. And then I, I grew up there until I think I, I didn't get asked to take a sabbatical until I turned 26. So I went there for nine years and, uh, over the course of that, Keith, just because we talk a lot about this, are you okay with me just like literally telling the facts of the story? I mean, what you can go ahead and just start from the beginning and go ahead and start with your story and we can just go on that. If I have a question, I'll interject, but I mean, yeah, go, yeah, ahead, yeah. go ahead and just start from the beginning. So <clears throat> here's Ben's story about his experience <laughs> with this church. You can moderated, say, I guess we moderated can. <laughs> and facilitated by Keith Davis. Yes. So Ben, tell me about your story. <laughs> okay. Um, like I said, I started going to church when I was 17. Um, I got invited by my wife now, who wasn't my wife then, obviously, but she was just this Christian girl in my Spanish class that invited me to church like 10 times, 20. I mean, it was a lot of times where I was like, eh, no, yeah, because I had been in Christian uh, culture my whole life. Like I went to a Christian school for part did of my you, time. Did you hit on her with, uh, with Spanish phrases? Uh, I, I did not because I was honestly, I was in one of the worst relationships of my entire life during that time. So I was like, I wasn't hitting on anybody. (laughs) Dang dude, my bad. (laughs) No, 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 you're good, man. You're good. So, um, over the course of the, her inviting me, uh, I kind of just had some, I had some rough experiences with getting out of that worst relationship. Um, a bunch of stuff, but I eventually I said, 
Uh, actually, before I said yes, I said, I don't need to go to church. I'm already a Christian and I'm already, I've already been saved. And like that was literally my mentality. Like you don't go to church for anything other than to get saved. So I'm good. I got that. So I don't need to go there. Like I was talking about church like it was a supermarket that you go pick some stuff up from and then you yeah, yeah. leave and go home. <laughs> uh, I didn't understand anything, like literally nothing. So I finally went after going through some rough stuff. And it took two times, but... I mean, you did have some pretty good worship moments with P.O.D., though, right? Oh, dude. Oh, my <laughs> God. Yeah. So, <laughs> my whole life, I, I have had this, like, spiritual tinge of, like, there's something out there, man. Like, I... And it could be just because I was raised around it my whole life to believe in God. But, like, I'm going to say I stopped believing what my parents told me uh, pretty early on in my life. What? Hello? Yeah. Okay. I thought I was chopping up there. Um, I, I quit. I, I, I started thinking for myself pretty early on in life. And so I would like think about like all the bad things I've done in my life. And then I would like turn on some like the soft songs from the POD album or even just some of the hard songs and like yeah. worship in my bed at night and uh, cry out to the God that I believed in and say like, I want to live for you. I want to die for you. And so I, I don't know. I've, I've always had that tinge, I guess, on my life. But back to my experience with living water, um, I I started going to the church 2008, got saved. It took two times. I went to the church the first time, and they spoke in tongues, and I was like, dang, dude, this is some different – this is some next-level stuff. I don't know anything yeah. about this. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I mean, Bro, but what, when you think about it, like – been my whole life? I remember the first time I saw someone speak in tongues, which even now, like me stepping out of church and everything, that's still something that I have seen it happen and I've done it. And that's something that I, I do believe is real, even if it's kind of wacky to some people or it's been yeah. over-exaggerized. <laughs> the, the, right the, word, the words I make up on this show, <laughs> over-exaggerized. <laughs> Praise the Lord, speaking in tongues right now. <laughs> but think about it like to someone on the outside, it was so it's so it would be so weird for someone who doesn't know anything about Christianity to just Heck walk yeah. into a Holy Spirit service and like people are just like <laughs> like and, and people are like, Oh dude, that mixtape is hot, fam. Like, you need to you need to record that. <laughs> oh man. That's got to be weird. That's how rap music is nowadays. You don't need to understand it. Just like tongues. It's just like a fat beat. Pitbull. Pitbull. That's (laughs) all he does is speaks in tongues. That's it. He doesn't even rap. (laughs) I think that's just a different language, Keith. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's just like Spanish or something. (laughs) I don't know what he does, but I'm personally not a huge fan of Pitbull. I can never understand anything the dude's saying. Gotcha. Right on. Anyways, continue your uh, your spiritual <laughs> journey. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of do the expedited version because we only have 45 minutes. And I don't want to take up the whole podcast telling a story. Um, but I was with the church for a long time. I from that church, I went to Louisiana and spent a 10 months in an internship, which was just like how to become a young minister, intensive study every day, uh, go and preach the gospel literally every day, just like. It was intense, like basically like the the Spartan training camp <laughs> where they're like, you, you, you're going to do this or you're going to die. Yeah. And it's kind of like the internship that I yeah, went yeah. to. <laughs> uh, I mean, it was pretty intense. I, I've heard some stories. 
So I went to that internship, came back, fast forward a couple years. I have literally poured my life into the church. Uh, I married my wife who invited me to church, fell in love with her. We together just really pursued the calling on our life, which was to, I don't know, get involved in ministry as much as possible. And we did. We devoted our lives to it, built our schedules around it, got switched jobs because of it. Just like every facet of our life was how does our church life and our spirituality fit into everything else that we're doing? So that went on for about four years. And then I was asked to be an elder at the church, which for everyone who's not familiar with uh, the Christian power structures and biblical models of church government and all that craziness, an elder doesn't mean you're old. It just means that you're like, (laughs) you, you are in oversight of the church and its vision and the people. And you just, you're basically, everyone says you can look to this guy for guidance. He knows what we're doing and he'll, he'll help you out essentially. That's crazy. I wonder if like, if you're an elder at a church, if you could get into like an assisted living home, like I'm an elder, like why can't I live here? (laughs) Oh my God. Cause 'cause I think, I don't think that, uh, I don't think that the assisted living home is like, let me check your uh, spiritual records. Yes. Come on. I don't think that. (laughs) 200 Um, bucks a month for everything. I'll do it. (laughs) People will wipe my butt and this would be awesome. I mean, that'd be pretty great. (laughs) No, man. I don't want anybody. Mm, No. (laughs) Just get away from my butt. I can handle myself. (laughs) Oh, all right. So, uh, good, good. (laughs) You're the greatest moderator of all time. Uh, All right, continue. I, I appreciate you keeping it lit. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Um, so, uh, so I was an elder at the church, and I just really bought into everything. And I mean, I the pastor of the church that we were going to uh, was was really influential in my life, but on a much much deeper and more personal level. I connected with Pastor Ryan. He was the youth pastor at the time, and he literally he married me. He uh, that's, okay. That's another weird thing, real quick. Just super quick. Sorry, I'm not trying to take up all your time. Why? Why do we say that? Like when we're like that pastor married me. Like what? So you're oh, mar- you're married know. to a pastor? What the heck, dude? Anyways, he, he completed the act of marriage for me and my wife. Because there you go. <laughs> I got married to my wife. I got married by my uh, pastor. I think I think that's some language jujitsu there. But I got married. Um, but he married us. He was literally like, I, I'm being totally real, man. He was like my freaking dad almost. Like my my dad is uh, he is in he was an older father. I was born when he was 51. So his perspective was years and years and years separated from me as I was growing up. And I did feel a little bit like it wasn't relatable. I always felt loved and encouraged by him, but the perspectives weren't the same and relatable. So I really like, not just because there's some scriptural crap that says we're supposed to be spiritual sons and spiritual fathers. Like I really just kind of looked towards him like, like a dad figure. And I really became close with him. He was my, yeah, he was my bro, but he was also like my guide for all things spiritual because I just admired him so much. He got called to start a full-time church by God. Like he just wanted to go start a church, go plant a church. 
And I was an elder and I was in this meeting and I saw the meeting and it basically happened like this was he said to the eldership, the rest of us that after talking about it for hours, I don't think that I want to be like this church. I want to do something different, something unique. I want God to do something through me, not what he's doing here, but do something different. Yeah. And, and if I could boil down everything that was said, maybe this wasn't the intention, but it was easy to hear it in the meeting that it was said, well, if you're not going to be like us um, and you're not going to do what we do, why do we need to be invested in uh, what you're about to do in planning a church? Sounds like you're going to go do your own thing. So we go ahead, go do your own thing, but we don't need to be a part of it. We need to focus on building this church. And that to him, because the way I looked at him like a father, he looked at this pastor like a father and was just like, really, it, he was shattered in the meeting. Like you could see him and his wife were both in tears. Like, and he, the, literally the words out of his mouth were like, I don't care about any of that. I just want your support. I yeah. want you to believe in me. I need you to, to get behind me and help me stand up when I can't stand up on my own. And like all of this stuff. And then the eldership responded, we will. But you could see the look in his eyes and he could tell that it wasn't, like that because it was separate it wasn't believed in and uh basically the 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 sentiment was we're already doing everything right we all talk about what's the best way to do church and i think we've developed it why do you want to change that do you not agree with us that this is the best way to do church and that right there started a divide to where he stepped out of ministry uh there was a bunch of other stuff that went on like just he was trying to empower people to do his job and like he let me teach the youth because he was training me to do that and he was discipling me in a biblical way and whenever the eldership found out that he wasn't preaching to the youth they're like that's what we pay you to do you need to go do that and he's like but don't you pay me to pastor and then that kind of that argument was it eventually ended up being no we don't pay you to empower people to do your job for you we pay you to do your job and that really frustrated him and it frustrated me all of this all of it i'm just watching yeah my, because all of I'm that watching my, all of that makes sense on like a like a business model but on like a spiritual like on in a church like building people up type model that really just doesn't make sense like we're not paying you to empower other people. We're paying you to do your freaking job. Like that just that just sounds dumb to come from a pastor. Yeah, because because it's not it's not so vocational. It's not it's not a job to be someone's pastor. It's a calling. And when you get those two mixed up together and they're not separate, like you can't have a job unless you're called. And if you are called then you need to treat it like it's a job. And it's not like it the just, pay was it even worth it. It takes all of the organicness out of it, all of the real deal. I am a human that loves people in an organic way. It takes it out of it, and it puts too much requirement and not enough freedom. It like literally is like it, the opposite of what the New Testament is to do church that way. Yeah, and youth pastors alone, like the pay isn't worth all the crap that they go through in general. Like it's, it's yeah. crazy. <laughs> Honestly... There is there's one point where he was like, I make $125 a week. You can just stop paying me and I'll just do what I want. You know, and that was yeah. kind of what it, yeah. it boiled down to like, 
I don't like what you're telling me to do. If you just let me pastor people in the way that I see fit, you can stop paying me basically. And that, that's, that's where it all kind of started to break down because for him, I promise you, man, he did not let me spend the night at his house. He did not let me call him at three in the morning. He did not like ride a skateboard with me when I was a stupid little teenager and like your metal shows and all that stuff. He did. Yeah. He didn't come to my Christian death metal concert because he liked death metal or because he was getting paid. He put in so many hours because he loved me. And that was just like, that's what really a pastor should do is put in the hours because he loves people. And I'm not saying that this pastor at this church wasn't doing it that way, but the way that it was being set up to Ryan was that that's the way it is. Like the, in the conversation with Ryan, it basically was, no, this is what we pay you to do. And that's just so, so gross, bro. So so to jump forward, um, let's just jump forward to your kind of like, um, to the start of your experience real quick. Cause we're already like 25 minutes in. Sure. Yeah. I, I can finish in the next five. All right, go for it. Okay. You can take longer so, than five if you need to, we can go. No, over I mean, I, it, it, it doesn't need to be drawn out. It's just, it is what happened. Yeah. Um, so after seeing all that craziness go down, I was like, no, this isn't, this isn't right. It shouldn't happen like this. Fast forward a year and a half, Pastor Ryan no longer goes to the church because he's basically forced himself out of every area of ministry by trying to be free and getting shut down. And he's like, well, I can see how this is going to go. So he left the church and that devastated me. I'm like the guy that I've idolized. He's like, he's like going crazy. He doesn't know what he's doing with his life. You know what I mean? Like he was going through a crisis and I was like, I was like, I... I was like, this sucks. I just hate that that's going on and it's not right. So all of that culminated in me eventually stepping right up into his shoes and saying, these are the shoes I want to wear. I admire that man so much that I'm still, I'm going to step right in and again, ask hard questions, make risky moves, love people, do it this way, do it that way. I became the interim youth pastor and I planned like eight events and seven of them got shut down because I didn't fill out a paper right or I didn't plan them far enough in advance. And honestly, I'm, I just felt like I couldn't even mess up. Like there was no opportunity for me to mess up. And I know they were trying to protect me, but it didn't end up being protection. It ended up being discouraging because yeah. I was like, just let me go. Let me try this. It's like a father riding along with a son holding us, holding the bike. And he's like, okay, dad, I think I got it. And the dad's like, no, you don't. Yeah. And, and then the kid's like, oh yeah, you're right. I don't. Okay. I can't do it. You're right. Okay. And then he's like, no, 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 let me keep holding on. You're not ready yet. And you're like, okay, I'm not ready yet. And all of, all that the kid hears is you can't do it. I'm not ready yet. No, I'm not letting go. You need me. Uh, And I'm not, I can't do it on my own. So after having so much of that, I stepped out of the role and was like, I need to do something else. Then I started having meetings with the eldership team about like, I disagree with this belief. I don't think that this is correct. I think that we should do this differently. And all my friends started leaving the church, including you and a lot of the other people. And I just like my whole spiritual framework was falling down around me. And so I was eventually, I was like, I just made eight points. And I was like, these are the reason that my spiritual world is falling apart. This is why 
my friends are leaving and I disagree as well. And I'm losing my faith in the church. Basically, this is yeah. what's going on. And, uh, which is I a have, very honorable thing. Like you stuck around for a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody else was leaving and I was like, no, I'm freaking fighting this. This isn't right. I can't just let it go on. It's got to I've got to do what I can. And I basically determined within myself, I'm not leaving this church. I'm going to, I'm going to not, I didn't, I don't want to fix it, but I want to keep talking like a real person. They, we need a real person asking real questions or else the body won't be healthy. And I'm going to keep doing it. We got to make this thing work. And eventually I said, Hey, I'm going to do a house church just for young people because young people don't like this. The way that, the way that church is set up right now, young people are not liking it. And all my friends and all the young people that I want to invite, whenever they say, Hey, can you take me to church? I'm like, honestly, you probably wouldn't enjoy it. It's not a really safe place. Uh, and I didn't say like safe place, but it's not like they, people would say to me, this is literally a quote from someone at my work. They're like, Hey, I really like the way that you think that makes sense. I want to go to your church. If everyone thinks like you do, I want to go to your church. And I'm like, there's not a lot of people that think like I do in my church. You probably Which, wouldn't enjoy it. Yeah, and it, that sucks to say that, but it's true. And so all of that happened, and I determined to be – so I said I wanted to start a house church for the young people so that I could create a safe place for my friends and my friends at work, and we could just really pursue God. But in my house, the ultimate question that was asked was, "Are is the pastor going to be able to have input into that? And when I said, honestly – the input of the eldership and the pastor is what's made every young person not like it. And I don't think that you guys know how to do it the best way. That's why I'm doing this is because I want to do it a different way. So no, you won't have input into my house church that I lead in my home completely separate from the church. Yeah. And there was so much fear that this is what happened was I was asked by the pastor um, I, I voluntarily stepped down out of my eldership position and off the worship team cause I didn't want influence. I just wanted freedom to be who I wanted to be. And, uh, I was, we had a conversation, I got a phone call and the phone call was, uh, we think that it's right that you take a sabbatical and really pray about whether God wants you to go to this church or not. Which because, is funny because that's not even what a sabbatical is, but you're right. A sabbatical is for someone who's in ministry and they need to take a rest and spend time with God. I wasn't resting. Like it was, yeah. they were like, you, you need to go to the Holy spirit and seek counsel before you come back to this church. Yeah. And I honestly, at that moment, I was like, you know what this is going to do, right? People are going to ask questions. There's going to be uh, there's a ton of repercussions to telling someone who's been a church, part of the church for nine years and on the eldership board and worship team for most of that time. There will be repercussions. And he's like, I'm just doing what I think God wants me to do. And I'm like, okay, I respect that. And I was like, I honestly still feel like that church is my church. Can I come on Sunday? And they were like, we don't think so. We 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 don't advise that you do that. Because I was dangerous. They thought, they said, you're going to use your power and your influence to split the church. You want to hurt this body. And I'm like, no, I want to help this body. But that's not how it was seen because I said I disagreed. And when I disagreed, I became toxic. And so they basically cut me off and said, go pray about whether or not this is where God wants you. And if, if, uh, basically until you figure that out or you decide that you would like to agree and invest in what we believe in, do not return. Yeah. Well, I'm sorry yeah. all that happened to you, man. No, yeah, it's it's cool, man. I'm in the best place I've ever been spiritually. I hate yeah. the way that it happened, but I love the place I'm at. Yeah. 
Sorry, I just took so long to tell that story. I didn't think it would be that no, long. It was only about 20 <laughs> minutes. I mean, it leaves me enough time to do mine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, okay, now, moderated by Ben Ashley, the story of Keith Davis and the tale of living water. Hey! All right, hey, I'm moderating, Keith. Shut up. No, okay. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> okay, so my... <laughs> so pretty much all of my Christianity has been with living water or someone who's affiliated with living water. So when I was 18, I I aged out of foster care and went back to live with my dad in Madison, Indiana. Um, so I moved in with him. He told me I either had to get a job or go to school. So I went to this trade school to get my education, get a trade degree, all that cool stuff. And yeah. I met Ryan Miller there, which... He's such an awesome guy. Like, there's Seriously. no, not Seriously. a bad thing that I can say about him, even though I try sometimes. He's a really cool dude. He's a really good he guy. He does, he does, every time he comes over to your house, though, he does want to take a dump. Yeah, that's just one yeah. thing about him. Yeah. <laughs> it's, and it's always right before he leaves. <laughs> I know. He's like, hey, I'm about to leave, but can, before I go, can I drop the juice in your toilet? <laughs> Other than that, completely stand up guy. I love him to death. Sorry, yeah. go ahead. Anyways, so I met him up there and he's actually one, the person that introduced me to a relationship with God because I'd been told my life um, through family members and things like that, that about being a Christian, I knew who Jesus was, but I'd never really wanted it. So I was open to that. I won't go into my whole testimony and there's that yeah, Christian yeah. lingo, but maybe we'll get into that another time of how I became <laughs> what, a Christian. What he means is he's not going to go into what happened whenever he accepted Jesus Christ as his yeah. savior. <laughs> Anyways, so I met Ryan, went home, ended up moving up here about a year later. Um, Ryan actually came down and got me because we stayed in communication, and I started yeah. going to the church. And it was really awesome. For about six months, I helped out a little bit with the youth group, but it was so, still kind of low-key. Can I can I ask you a super quick question? Yeah. What was that like for you, and what motivated you to have a life in Madison that you were preparing for, went to Job Corps for, and you were prepared to live. And then, like, what was going on in your head that made you like, yeah, I should just move, like, halfway across the state to meet a bunch of people and go to church with people I've never met except for Ryan? Like, honestly, what was that? What was that? Honestly, not to be super spiritual, but it was completely a God thing. Like, I, the night that Ryan, because I had no forewarning, he just called me and he's like, hey, I'm on my way to Madison to get you right now. And I, you know, I hung up the phone. I was sitting there in the bathroom crying because I didn't want to leave. It was my home, all my family and friends, my job, my car, the car that I was actually, you know, paying, making payments on to buy. And there are so many other things that are holding me back, not just material things, but, you know, my entire family and friend group was down there. So it was a lot to leave behind, but I knew that it was God. And I can't really explain how I knew that. I just knew that I was supposed to do it. So anyways, so I moved up here, started getting involved. Awesome. Very, sure. yeah, yeah, bro. <laughs> yeah, thanks, dude. So very low-key, get, started getting involved with youth group, like, as far as, like, you know, sitting outside and redirecting people in the high school when we did Club 12-2. Um, and then I did a 10-month internship at the church with Pastor Ryan, which everything you said about him same here. Like that guy has been like, not just a spiritual father, but he has in a lot of ways been an actual father to me. Like, you know, in ways that a father would be there, like not just someone to be there as like a spiritual guide, but like 
oh, hey, you just need someone to talk to, someone to hang out with. Oh, hey, I'm going to run this errand. Do you want to go with me? You know, stuff like that. Yeah, like, dude. I, I I totally aspire to be like him. Not I don't I don't aspire to be a pastor someday. I aspire to be whatever that man is. You know yeah. what I mean? So, anyways, yeah. Sorry. Did the ten awesome month guy. internship there and got really connected in the church. Started leading in twelve two the youth group that that is up there at Living Water and became a youth leader there. Was really really heavy invo- heavily involved into that you know, being discipled and all that stuff. I ended up getting on the worship team originally just as like a backup guitarist. But about a year and a half into that, I started leading worship. And toward the end there, before I left, I completely believed that I was being trained up to be the next worship leader. Um, oh, yeah. Because, yeah, I, I, mean, I mean, that's what I thought. You're That's from the outside looking in. That's what I thought was happening. You and Katie Lynn. Yeah. So, yeah, I was being trained up to do that, and I was leading about half the set every week. I was leading, like, one to two songs out of four, at least, yeah. every week. And, I, you know, I was doing arrangements and putting song lists together and doing transitions and stuff like that. So, I was pretty into all that. And actually, Amanda was... Well, I'll do an interview with her sometime, and she can kind of share her story. But she was really heavily yeah. involved with the kids. So, we were... Long story short, we were really, really invested into that church. Yeah. But the issue, the issue started when uh, there was someone in his in the pastor's family who had been involved with uh, like a a lifestyle. Like they were in a like I don't know how else to put it, so I'll just say it. And I've, if I get in trouble, I get in trouble. I don't really care. They were involved <laughs> in like a lifestyle sin, like something that they had been doing for a long time and it wasn't anything sexual or anything really super bad so because i know whenever we say lifestyle sin that's original that's where everyone's mind goes like you could you could probably just it it, rather than let people speculate about what horrible thing it could be it was just a situation with dishonesty that was ongoing there you go so now now your wandering minds can calm down a little bit yeah seriously don't don't speculate some craziness (laughs) anyways so uh so we had a a meeting and we actually before going into our meeting with the pastor me and my wife sat down with her friend and and told her hey we're going to be talking to the pastor about what happened with you and because there are situations in the past where other friends of mine who had been involved in lifestyle sins, which may have been a little bit harsher than what, you know, said person did, but nonetheless, it was a lifestyle sin that was just looked over. Like it was no big deal, but other people were kicked out of ministry indefinitely. Like they were told they were never going to be able to be on the worship team, to be in youth ministry, to be on, to do anything that involves ministering to people ever again. Like they could, they were told that they could be on the soundboard and they could make EQs and record stuff, but that was it. Which, which is like a totally opposite to everything in the Bible, you know, yeah. pointing to Peter or Saul or anybody else. Okay. Sorry. Unbiblical Anyways. practices basically. Yeah. So we could talk about that for a long time, but we went in there in that meeting and it was just, Oh my goodness. Like complete excuse after excuse. Like we were told things like, 
oh, well, it was just one sin over a long period of time, so really it was just one. Oh, they really weren't they really weren't lying during the summer because blah blah blah. So it was it really wasn't a lie then, so it wasn't that long. But pretty much literally it was just any excuse possible. And me and my wife were just like, No, you're wrong. And it got to the point where at the end of the meeting they had to admit that they were wrong about it, but still it was just because well, because it could stumble you, we'll just we'll just say that you're right. So really, they still didn't admit that they were wrong, and nothing changed. That person, mm-hmm. I mean, they took that person out of ministry for like a couple weeks, and that just just because of us. And that's not even what I was asking for. And that's no, that's yeah. I was the thing. I mean, I, to say really quickly, it just for me being on the eldership team. I remember when they brought that issue to us, and I thought that what we did was appropriate but the problem is that it wasn't consistent with how we had treated people that weren't a part of the pastor's family yeah like i felt like we treated someone who was a part of the pastor's family i don't think that 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 situation they deserve to be kicked out of ministry but looking back that other situation with our other friends they didn't deserve to be kicked out of ministry either but we did the right thing for the family and the wrong thing for someone who wasn't the family yeah so anyways, I remember the day after that meeting, because even during the meeting, like, tempers were getting hot and yeah, stuff yeah. on their side, too. Like, they were, they got really upset at that meeting because we were confronting an issue that no one else was talking about. Because we sp- specifically called out nepotism and family ties to church, and they didn't like that. So the next day, they kind of validated our very argument because... Uh, I was going in for worship practice the next day, and I got called into the worship leader's office, and my wife was on the phone, and they accused us of attacking the family. They literally were like, why are you attacking our family? Why are you doing this? Why are you hurting us? And they did not understand that it was that's not even what it was. There was a situation that wasn't treated fairly in my eyes, so I wanted to talk about it took all the right steps and precautions to make sure I was honoring everybody in it. Yeah. And in my eyes, like, and we even told them, we're like, well, we're sorry you're hurt, but we don't think we did anything wrong. We stood our ground on it. So in my mind, they pretty much clarified my thoughts and my ideas of what was going on with that whole family tie because we were accused of attacking their family the day after we literally just brought an idea or something we thought was wrong up there. So beyond that, there were multiple events like that and bad exchanges and just nastiness. Like, and that's yeah. why when people, when people say, well, they're nice people, they just want to do the best for the church. <laughs> and that I don't see that. I really yeah, don't. You got, you got a lot the, of people. Yeah. You got the boot, man. A lot of other people didn't have the experience that we did. And to this day, like, I'm not even trying to just make myself sound right and them wrong, but I believe we handled everything honorable. Yes, I may have had hurt feelings in the end for a while that I had to work through, but I was never mean to them through all of that. I literally, me and my wife, Amanda, we met time and time again. We probably had four or five meetings with the, with the pastor that lasted anywhere from an hour to two hours to three hours where we would sit there and talk about all these issues. We talked about tithe. We talked about family ties. We talked about the way the church power structure was set up. We talked about, you know, young people wanting leadership stuff and wanting to the ability and the 
empowerment. Empowerment to move forward. We talked about all this stuff, and at the end of the day, they were not willing to budge. What what it was is we would bring up a topic, talk mm-hmm. about it for about five minutes, and then the pastor would beat around the bush for forty five minutes until and, and until he and proved then, himself and then, right, and then was like, "Okay, next topic." Yeah, basically, so. like so. Here's a spiel about the scriptures for thirty minutes. Do you agree now? Kind and of, if, and if you don't agree, of. why don't you agree with the scripture? What are your scriptures that defend your point? Yeah, <laughs> seriously, it's like you couldn't no, yeah. you couldn't talk to the guy unless you had a scripture. No, but I mean, how many people that ascribe to Christianity is that? That's like so many people. It's not. It's and that's that's where at, at the end of it all, I don't I don't have an enemy in that pastor or even that church. I have an enemy in that mindset that says, yeah. so I told you about the Bible and it made sense in my brain. It makes sense in your brain, right? No. Well, if it doesn't, you don't believe the Bible. Yeah. Uh, so that's not an effective way to communicate, buddy. Like, for sure. Yeah, that's right. So then from that point on, we, we, like I said, we had multiple engagements like that. And then I remember the night we sat, I sat down with you and I was like, I mean, to be honest, I almost cried a few times when I was, because you were the first person that we had told that we yeah. were really about to step out of the church. Because we That's had talked, hard, it, yeah, we had talked about it for such a long time, but we wanted to be faithful, we wanted to push through it, but we had had so many bad encounters that we, I just didn't have the fight left in me, man. I was tired of fighting them, and I didn't want yeah. to. I didn't want to fight anybody. Yeah. So I invited you over to the house one night and me and you just sat and talked and I was like, Ben, I think I'm done, man. You know, and I'm like about to cry just sitting here now. And I'm just like, oh, yeah, because it's real, man. When you it was when you leave something, our whole lives were in there, bro. When you say I'm done, like you just don't do that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Especially for us, because we were really like, you just don't leave a church. You stay faithful and you do it. And I was totally for that, but there comes a point where it's like, I can't do this any longer. No, you're right. And it wasn't just like our involvement and investment in the church that made it hard to make decisions like that. It was like everything we believed had been shaped by what we were about to leave. Like we just felt so strongly about these couple of points that we could see in between the curtains and saw behind the curtain. And we're like, maybe it's just not legit. And I think that that's kind of what's put us in our pilgrims and prodigals mode is that that glimpse through the curtain took us to a place where we're like, oh, my gosh, how much of this do I not actually agree with? And that's what that's all we're doing in our faith right now is like we're like looking at our faith and like, wow, I have this whole faith built out of stuff that may or may not be what I agree with. Because once we found out that we could disagree and be what we felt was right. We're like, what other stuff can I disagree with? Not that we're yeah. seeking to disagree, but we're seeking to like, this thing's got to be real or I quit. I don't want to, I don't want to live it another minute if I'm in it just to live a lie to quote the classic crime. Like it's got to be real or I quit. So I'm not quitting and I don't think you're quitting. No, not and at we, all. We, that's what Pilgrims and Prodigals is about is that we just got to make it real. For me, Pilgrims and Prodigals is about... I want to be a voice for the people who are going through all this, even if it's just to listen to my story. And maybe you can find some clarity in that. 
Because whenever these things happen and someone gets the boot from a church or it gets hurt so much that they leave a church, you have two options there. That's either going to completely destroy your walk with God or yeah. it's going to cause you to start dissecting everything you believe in and come out stronger in the end. And that's what I want to do. Cause I, I, you know, I was talking to you and Ryan last night and mm-hmm. like asking, and I've asked myself these questions because I'm thinking about, dude, I'm deconstructing everything I believe in down to like, what do I think about hell? What do I think about the Bible? What do I think about all this stuff? Because I, yeah. I'm not saying that hell isn't what I think it is or the Bible's not completely legitimate. But like, what if it was like, and I'm asking myself these questions, like, what if my idea of hell was completely wrong? What if the Bible was written by man and it wasn't uh, the complete word of God? Like, what if all these things were true? Like, what if I am completely wrong about God? Would that make me not believe? And at the end of the day, I got to (laughs) say no, like it would, it would not make me lose faith in God, but it's not, it sounds stupid, but it's not. Well, it's cause yeah. Cause my my Christianity is not based on some man's interpretation of the Bible. I could find out that all my interpretations are incorrect and still be a Christian because my Christianity is based on how I've experienced God. And if you look throughout the whole Bible, that's how all these other people's Christianity and their religion, going back to Judaism and stuff, that's how it was based. It was based off relationships and things God was speaking to people and to stop that now and just say, oh, well, uh, now it's just about obeying authority and following the Bible and doing what this says. That's just oh complete gosh, BS. Hey. And it's just, I cannot stand beside that anymore because I love the Bible and I want to follow it. I want to do everything I can to know God better. But at the end of the day, that's the Bible is not what makes me saved. At the end of the day, it's not my view on hell or my view on tithing or... And there are some people who would say that if you don't tithe, you're not even going to make it to heaven or you're not as good of a Christian as you could be. But yeah, my, I mean, you're right. That's the, that's where we came from. That's exactly what they said. Yeah. So my, <laughs> my views on any of those topics don't, don't determine my relationship with God. It's my relationship with God that determines that it's how yeah. well I freaking know Jesus. I don't care about anything else. No, yeah, you're totally right. I'm looking up a verse right now just to make sure what I'm about to say isn't completely stupid. Yeah. Second uh, Timothy three sixteen, and I know I'm I'm not trying to get super spiritual or anything, but I, I wanna I wanna validate what you said with the Bible that uh, everybody uses against you to say you have to. So it basically what you're saying is you're evaluating the Bible, you're evaluating hell, you're evaluating the entire thing, but on the point of the Bible. I think that, like, like you said, it, is it the word of God? Is it what some man wrote? Is it the instrument of my salvation? And even in there, Jesus says, "You search the scriptures for life, but the scriptures are pointing to me." So, at very best, we have the greatest and most complete signpost in the Bible a signpost, which is not an instrument for salvation, and it's not an instrument for relationship. And, and I think that it points to a relationship, but I don't think that it is the relationship. And then in 2 Timothy 3.16, it says, All scripture is inspired by God and useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we're wrong and teaches us to do what is right. Nowhere in there 
does it say saves us. Nowhere in there does it say loves us. And saving me and loving me, honestly, when it comes to God, those are like the two most attractive and beautiful aspects of God is the fact that he's rescuing me and loving me. And that is, yeah. I don't find the most beautiful parts of God in the Bible. Not to say that I don't, I don't, I don't know about inerrancy. I definitely don't think that the Bible is supposed to be seen through a literal scope in every chapter and every verse. No, for I don't, sure. No, I don't think there's I, any. I do uh, think I think it's the truth, and I think it's useful, but I don't think that it is God. It's yeah, not, I don't. You know what I mean? <laughs> let me like kind of describe what I'm saying when I talk about the Bible. Like, I don't think there's any fallacy in the Bible. I definitely don't think that anything that was written in the Bible is false. But kind of like that same aspect, like, is the way that one way to read the Bible the only way? Like, if I read it strictly from a literal historical standpoint, is that the only way to read it? And I don't think so. I think there's a lot of things that are metaphorical. I mean, when Jesus spoke, he literally always spoke in parables. And if Jesus is God, why wouldn't God use some of his stories as parables as well? I don't know. All I'm saying is through all of this, I'm just questioning and I'm just, I'm trying to figure things out for myself and I'm not claiming to be right. And there's a lot of people who would argue with me on all these points, but I'm not even trying to argue. I'll talk to anybody about it and I'll talk about anyone's point of view, but I want to figure out this for myself. I want to figure it out. I'm not even saying that I'm a hundred percent right. Cause like I said on the, you couple, want to include your brain in your relationship with God. Yeah. Cause you're a, tired of just accepting it and leaving your brain off and taking it without thinking about it. Yeah. Cause it's like a couple podcasts ago, you know, I said like, you know, I'm not rock solid on anything that I say because my viewpoints are changing from last week and that still goes for today. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like yeah. I'm constantly shifting. I'm in a deconstructing stage where I'm trying to, figure out what I, what do I believe about God? What do I believe about hell? You know, when, um, and I don't know if you want to get into that today, but I mean, what, what are we at? Like, we're like at an hour. We're at 53 minutes, 53 minutes. I think that it would be, I don't think we'd be able to do the topic justice, but, um, I don't know, man. I, I I would love to talk about it right now if you're okay to push this episode to an hour and ten. I'm okay with that. <clears throat> hour and five. Okay, let's freaking. Let's okay, talk about so it real let quick. me so let me pose my question talk, really quick. We talked about the ingredients to get a Christian to deconstruct their faith and how that happens. Yeah. Now we're talking about what's going on in our heads. <laughs> was that your so, uh, Was that your keep your job alarm? No. no. <laughs> <laughs> They, uh, that was, that was the vet calling about our cat. Oh, how's he doing? He's, he's doing pretty good, man. I mean, honestly, better than, better than you would expect a cat who got shot in the back of the neck and had the bullet come out of his mouth would, would probably be doing. Okay. So what happened with that? I thought last I heard he got hit by a car. Yeah. So that's what we thought until we, we dropped him off at the vet. That's why I wasn't on that first episode with Joseph at the beginning. Um, but we dropped him off at the vet. They did some examining and they found an entry wound in the back of his neck. And then literally there's no structural damage on any part of our cat, except for in his face. He had uh, like three fractures in his jaw and there's a gap in the palate of the top of his mouth to his sinus. 
He lost a lot of teeth on his right side. They didn't find a bullet in him, but there is definitely a hole that starts in the back of his neck and comes out where his throat and tongue start. Dude, that's and, sad, man. So someone shot your cat. Yeah, bro. He's freaking he's like my cat is like fifty cent. He is definitely he's gonna <laughs> he's gonna come back better. He's working on his mixtape. It's gonna drop at the end yes. of the summer. And you better you better be ready when these when my cat drops those beats, bro. <laughs> But no, he's on, he's he's on a feeding tube right now. Like I have to blend up food and feed it to him through a feeding tube in the side of his neck. It's pretty crazy, but he's going to be all right. <laughs> wow. Anyway, yeah. So, so yeah, back to stuff that that's that's cool. I'm stuff. I'm glad your cat's doing good. So I want to pose this question, and this is this is something that I was texting Ben earlier this week, and we we both listened to the same podcast. Um, yeah. I so anyway, so the question that I had was. Uh, this idea of like who goes to hell and who doesn't and what is hell because i mean no one can look at the bible and say hell doesn't exist or some form of bad justice. some form of justice, justice. after death cuz the way i look at it if people have the choice in life to do good or bad there has to be a form of punishment good or bad after life as well but what is that is my question because i've yeah. always been taught that it's eternal torment but after doing some research, I figured out that, you know, people who believe in the eternal torment, that's actually a minority in the Christian belief. Like, two-thirds of people don't believe, two-thirds of Christians do not believe in eternal torment. So, Eternal conscious torment where you're aware of everything for all eternity and all of the flames that eat you and the worms that eat you, That that is... Even though I feel like that's the only Christian belief, there's if you look at the bigger picture, it's not. Yeah, so my what I've been questioning is kind of like the idea of annihilation because when I look at the scope of things, like I don't understand how someone e- – say they were even – because I was using the example of a good person, like, but let's go even further. Let's say someone was just a horrible person and they lived a bad life, didn't accept Jesus, and they died. Now, does 70 – I mean – 60, 70, 80 years of doing bad things, does that really merit an eternity of like being burned alive and eaten by worms and conscious of every little thing, every torment, every feeling of pain that's going on? Does 60, 70 years of living a bad life, does that really merit an eternity of torture? And in my mind, like, I just don't see how that works. No, yeah, I mean, I it does kind of make sense on the scope of justice to say that how could a finite amount of sin include a just punishment of an infinite or infinite amount of punishment forever and and i get where you're coming from but even people man even people do have a concept of infinite punishment like for example imagine an atheist who is pro capital punishment he believes there's nothing after this life, but even though this life is all you have, 100% of it, infinity of what you have, deserves to be taken from you because of what you've done. So there's there there is that in the human realm, but, but is that good? Not is necessarily. That good? Not is, necessary. I don't think necessarily is infinite though, because even when someone who doesn't believe in you know life after death at all, like it's just 70. I mean, it, say like you do something when you're 30. You're looking at maybe 40 years in prison the rest yeah. of your life, you know, even if you get a life sentence. So, 
I mean, it's like yeah. no one would, no one would like put someone in prison for the rest of eternity if they knew they were never going to die. Like, I don't think anyone would do no, that. Uh, oh yeah, and I, I, I get you. I and and honestly, the view of annihilation is a lot more like capital punishment than it is like anything else because Serve the hell your, that's yeah. common in our circle is. Well, you get tortured and set on fire forever versus you are killed with no hope of living and you just perish and it's over in an instant. You know what I mean? Like that's what – even if it's not over in an instant, basically Annihilation says that it is a final judgment and there it will go forever. But you will be judged and you will be destroyed, annihilated essentially, and you will not be a part of the new heaven, new earth, and you will not continue in hell either. You're just gone. Yeah. And I'm, I would be, personally would be okay with that. <laughs> Wait, you're okay with getting annihilated and not existing or you're, I mean, you're okay with the belief? No, no, no. Yeah. I mean, look at the, okay, let me, <laughs> let me back up and talk about. He's like, oh, that's not so bad, man. <laughs> let me just freaking live it up, dude. Annihilated. <laughs> annihilate me, bro. <laughs> you go ahead and annihilate the crap out of me. <laughs> no, because, uh. I mean, take Gandhi, for instance, a guy who lived his entire life to serve people. He was a pacifist, never picked up a gun, never fought, even though he was fought against, literally lived his whole life to serve people. Or take like a Buddhist monk, someone who won't even harm a butterfly because they don't want to hurt any living thing. And they spend hours and hours a day devoted to prayer, like to the point where, you know, some monks have like spots in their floor where their feet prints are literally embedded because they pray so much. And these people who do really good things, like, do they really deserve an eternity of torment just because they never called on the name of Christ? I don't believe so. I mean, I would be okay with annihilation, even if it was like, if you didn't call on the name of Christ, if you weren't a Christian, you won't be in the new heavens and new earth. But if you were... You know, if you were really good and did a bunch of good stuff in your life, you just, you know, were annihilated. But the person who was like a rapist or a murderer, you know, he suffered the torment that he deserved and then was annihilated. But for, I don't think anybody deserves eternal torment. I really don't. Yeah. And then, and then you got the other, other ways that like, if someone from like, I don't know, in the middle of Africa in a tribe that's never had contact with human society. If you're there, there's a verse in the Bible that says that the characteristics, the, the eternal characteristic or eternal nature of God is revealed in creation so much so that men are without an excuse to not believe in God. So if, if, if the Bible can say that, that there is no one is without an excuse because that you can't say that they're beyond excuse unless you say there is enough information available in nature and the spiritual aspect of humanity that someone can find salvation or it's yeah. find, find God in enough of a way that it would avoid them. Pun, uh, you, you see what I'm saying? Like yeah. if you can say, and like, that's if going someone into gets to like heaven the idea and of you universalism. Say, if yeah. someone from that tribe in Africa says, Hey, you and then they get to heaven and God says you have no excuse because I was completely available to you. That's the only way you can be without excuse. Otherwise, someone could say, "But hey, the Christians never got to me and I never knew the name of Jesus." Yeah. 
that can't be a valid excuse if that scripture is true that he is so present in nature that men are without an excuse. <laughs> well, then, now, not- <laughs> then the Christian cop out for that is like the answer for that is just well that's why we need to go to all the world because these people are perishing without Jesus. <laughs> hey, no, and, and I, I'm not saying that. Like honestly, bro, if I can, I think that salvation might be possible for those people. I think that so as have, well. That have not heard the name of Christ because I think that the truth it, it Jesus said I'm the way the truth and the life now I think that the truth is singular and I don't think that you can have multiple truths I'm not postmodern but I do think that the truth is available without the specific knowledge of a Jewish man named Jesus who died on a cross I think that the way is available I think that yeah no because one, for no me, one comes to the father except for the way, the truth, and the life. Yeah. But I don't think that it needs to bear the Jewish name Jesus in order for it to bring you to the Father. I think that the truth is out there and that people can find it and be without excuse. And I think that the reason that Christians should go into all the world is because there's so there's such a wealth of knowledge about how to love each other. The wisdom of God is literally revealed in the scriptures, and that is so valuable to take to people and say, look, we should love one another. Blessed are the poor in spirit. There's so much life and so much encouragement and so much positive that can be done with sharing the express Bible knowledge with other cultures, but I don't okay, know. Okay, so I got a question. Okay, go ahead. So do you think that the Beatitudes would apply to people who aren't just Christians, but people who actually contain these attributes? The poor in spirit, I, I the meek, I, the humble. I'm, I'm still exploring, but I think so. Yeah. I think so. Because I, my, right now, I think so. Because my question that – another question that I kind of like pose, like I think I'm kind of just taking like alternative alternative theories on all this stuff because I'm just trying to figure things out and I'm trying to look at it from all different angles. Yeah, but, yeah. I, I'm just telling you where – we're just saying where we're at now, not necessarily where we hope to end up. This isn't what I'm shooting for. This is what I got and then so, we're still searching. Yeah, so my question is like, you know, how is it right – that someone, you know, say someone in the Hindu faith who has never heard anything about Jesus, but lives their life at, at in temples, praying to their to these Hindu gods, living a life of being good and honoring and loving and charitable and helping, and you know, just living the morals that Jesus taught, but not the name of Jesus. Yet yeah. someone can be, you know, just a horrible person and do all these bad things and then turn their life over to God and really have a genuine conversion. And then all of a sudden, all their bad stuff they did doesn't matter anymore. But this person who lived their life doing good stuff their entire lives is subject to eternal torment or whatever hell is because they never accepted the name of Jesus. Like, I just, I don't understand that. No, yeah, and I, I don't what what you're saying. I don't think you're trying to devalue the atonement. Not at all. That that like it is it is legit and amazing that a murderer can find Christ, be broken, that's and great, follow him yeah. and make it into heaven. That we're not trying to say that's not fair. That's totally fair. Thank you, God, for sending your son. But on the other hand, this guy who really pursued the truth. And I mean, the way I just murdered life, someone last night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So all the um, time, dude. I'm a yeah. <laughs> I love you. So, so, but the, but to say that is he going to miss it simply because no one 
preach the gospel to him where he didn't ascribe the Jewish name Jesus, or really, I think Jesus is a Greek name. I don't know. Uh, whatever it is, if he didn't Yeshua. ascribe that I think, human I think construct, Yeshua was if, he, if he didn't ascribe the right human construct to God, he's lost forever. I think that's a little silly. Uh, I'm not saying it's, I know that it's wrong, but I'm saying that it just doesn't make sense to me. And I'm, I'm begging, I'm desperately begging God for an answer to that question. Cause I, I want to know, I, I'm tired of, I'm tired of just leaving it lie. And then taking God for who he is. Like if I love him, I'm going to chase him with my brain yeah. until I get him. You know what I'm saying? Like I, I am so encouraged. Like I said, I was in the best place in my life. These are questions I need the answers to, and I'm not okay with leaving them where they are. I want to, and I'm, I'm just saying this to let, so everyone knows and to God himself, I want to know you, God, yeah. and I'm not okay with not knowing you. I want to find out. And will I ever find out? Maybe not, but until I do, until I see him face to face, I'm not just going to sit back and say, well, I guess enough is enough. Yeah. Because I don't think that's the heart of God. I think that we should just say, I need more. I need an answer. And I'm not okay with just pretending yeah. like I know what's going and on. And those things don't have to be stumbling blocks. Like the questions that I'm posing about what is or isn't hell, who is or isn't going to heaven, all these things like that. They're not, it's not me saying, okay, well, if I don't find the right answer, I just won't believe anymore. It's me saying, I just want to figure it out. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So there's different options for hell. There are verses that say uh, it would be better for you to gouge out your eye and cut off your hand than enter into eternal hell. And so eternal is a word used to describe hell in the scriptures, but I think we should still just not, I, I think we should really seek an answer that didn't just come from one verse and piece that together to create a Christian belief that's respectable even if it is based off of scripture, it's got to fit in my brain a little bit. You know what I mean? No, I hear you. <laughs> you know, more than it does now, I need that to fit in my brain, and I'm hungry for God to help me with that. Yeah. Um, so, we're, Keith, if you didn't have anything more to say, I mean, are, uh, did you feel like we did that justice, or do you want to keep on going? I mean, it was, it was all right. You want to say anything, babe? <laughs> Keith. It was either great, amazing, fantastic Pilgrims and Prodigals highest quality podcast, <laughs> or it wasn't. <laughs> oh, that was superb! It was amazing. We just did. We just nailed it. We're pastors. No. <laughs> Please send us your tithe. <laughs> we promise we, we'll put it to we, good use. I promise that podcast was good enough that you ought to send us money. Yes, Congress. there are poor people who need money, but we need new microphones. So yeah, and there's also people that need miracles out there. Okay, <laughs> there, there are, uh, and they're listening right now. And if they send in a gift of uh, a dozen Krispy Kreme donuts, we will pray for them. <laughs> Give me your address, and I will send you a handkerchief that i will bless myself so yeah, okay. <laughs> but only for crispy creams only for crispy cre yeah if you send us like cream. yeah and if you send us knockoffs that i'm only gonna half bless it so yeah absolutely you'll get a miracle like one out of every three times that you heal somebody so. oh my god all right that's good i think we're good on that <laughs> real quick before we go though is it okay for me to do you think it's okay to talk about our upcoming guests just briefly or should Woo! i do that one on the, do it on the Okay. Okay. So you guys, uh, 
we upcoming, I don't know if it's going to be next week, but in the next couple weeks, be listening. We're going to have the most legit guest we've ever had on the podcast, like someone who's not just a bro or a person from our spiritual family, but I mean, I guess she's probably a part of our spiritual family, but, um, heels. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to have, we're going to have this, uh, a guest Rebecca on the show. She's, uh, Rebecca Lemke. Say it again. Rebecca Lemke. Rebecca Lemke. She is okay. a... I, I didn't want to butcher the last name. She but. is a wife, a mother, an author, and a blogger. Yeah. And also a boss, a total boss. Yes. She, she's going to be on talking about, talking about her book and really just talking about, more importantly to me anyways, her life experience and what she's learned from it as far as purity goes because there's such a heavy weight placed on young women in the church about be pure, don't have a crush, don't have a boyfriend, don't have this. And there's so much expectations there. And she's going to talk about the impact of those expectations and what it feels like to carry that weight because she's been there. And uh, we're, we're going to talk about that on the show, talk about how that's <laughs> talk about how stupid that is to say that like you're responsible for your own purity in God's eyes and things like that. So uh, it's going to be a great podcast. All I'm trying to say is I want to build some hype for it. Be looking forward to that because I'm more excited for that than I've been for, I don't know, any other. Uh, I, I love all our guests. Never mind. I'm I'm really excited, and that's it. I'm yeah, that Joseph guy I'm, sucked. Oh, my God. Joseph, if you're listening to this podcast, Keith is fired, and we <laughs> loved having you on. It was great. No, but I, I really am pumped for it because it, it, it just – we're going to get a perspective that we haven't had before that didn't come from someone who's already – a part of what we have going on in our life. I'm really yeah, excited to hear. I think that's going to be the coolest part, like branching out to other people and hopefully that can lead to more interviews. And if anyone is listening now and you have any thing, any media book podcast you want to promote, you want to be on our podcast. You have, if you just have a topic you want to speak about, you also have to be interesting and fun. Yeah. No, can, we, we can't have boring people. So, <laughs> no, but, but anyways, yeah, yeah like us, the invitation for open conversation is there. I'm sorry, Keith. Go ahead. Go ahead and uh, if you're liking what you're hearing, send us a a like on Facebook, message us, post on our wall because we get no love on there, people. We get no <laughs> love. And I just we wanted to tell you, the fans, that you don't love us. Yeah. Why so do you just, Why do you hate us? Just, just like that works in a real relationship between a man and a woman. Uh. I mean, if you never talk to God, do you really think he really loves you? Do you really oh think my, that no, you have a relationship oh with God, God if you never talk to him? We, we should. This podcast has gone too far. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it, it, yeah. So it, if you want to show us love on the, on the Facebook, please do. If you don't, continue no to not no. be you. No big But if you, whatever you do, I just hope you keep listening and you keep seeking God and asking honest questions and, uh, I don't know, just being a real person and not not uh, faking it till you make it because mm -hmm. it's not worth it. And go ahead and like us on Facebook. Uh, we're on Instagram and Twitter. Instagram at Pilgrims and Prodigals. Twitter at Pilgrim Podcast. And oh, go ahead, interact with us, socialize with us if you want. Um, give us a review on iTunes. Make sure it's like five friends. star though. Only five stars. Anything lower we can Oh, have. my God. Everyone, please be honest. But we like friends, and we'd like to talk to you. And, yeah. Keith, I'm going to have to download Instagram and download uh, Twitter because 
I'm not cool enough to have those yet, but let me jump on board with how cool this podcast is. I'm actually pretty proud of myself because we've got about 70 followers on Instagram so far. What? Dude, hey, bro, I got some pictures. I'm going to send you those pictures from the jam session last night. Put them up on the Instagram. Do it. All right, bro. What? All right. Well, I think I think that's about it. So if this was another long one, and I'm Woo! sorry, but yeah, it, it was fun. If you listen to the whole thing, you're awesome, and I really, I, even if I don't know you, I respect you because you must care about what I care about. So, yeah, way to go, yeah. bro. <laughs> yeah. All right. Peace out. <laughs> Deuces. <laughs>